0: Well, it has been a dark and dreary and rainy week, has it not? It looks like we have another one ahead of us. Uh, I don't know about you, but on these uh, on these dark, rainy days, you know, not wanting to be outside, I just kind of want to sit around and maybe read a book and maybe put some meat on the smoker or something like that. But uh, there's something about cold. And dark and rain. If you're not careful, uh, it might even help you. Uh, might even help you to to uh, to to slip into a little bit of a little bit of depression. Uh, as I think about that, I think about how dark of a world we live in. And by that, I don't mean uh, clouds and rain. I just mean that there just seems to be darkness everywhere around us. Uh, when we look at the news, when we consider the things that happen in the world around us, there's darkness all over the place, situational darkness, if you will. Uh, things, uh, uh, things that just go against God. And this, this really affects us all. Some of you might be experiencing some darkness in your life, hardship disp- uh, uh, hardship, or depression or uh, anxiety, anxiety. You know We're really not immune to the darkness that is in the world, and today I want to start a new series called The Light, a three-part series that's really going to be a celebration of Christmas, because the biggest problem in the world is not a situational darkness. The biggest problem in the world is not the fact that there's just, you know, hardship and pain and struggle and difficulty and dark days, per se. Uh, The biggest problem that we face in the world is not a situational darkness, but a spiritual darkness. There's a spiritual darkness that exists in our world. And, you know, when you live in a dark world and you don't have any light inside of you, It's almost like fumbling through a physical darkness with no flashlight. I don't know if you've uh, ever had that happen to you before, but uh, there have been some times when I have uh, gone deer hunting early in the morning or have uh, been deer hunting and tried to come out of the woods uh, after the dark and my flashlight didn't work. And let me tell you what, when you find yourself uh, in the middle of the woods, uh, a new moon, complete darkness, complete blackness, trying to find your way out, uh, not, not, uh, not very fun. And that to me is the experience that a lot of people are living in this life. They live in a dark world, a situational darkness, but it makes it even worse because they're in spiritual darkness. They don't have the light of Christ inside of them. And so today I want to talk to you about uh, this this image of light overcoming darkness, this metaphor uh, for how God can overcome the spiritual darkness inside of us through Christ. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. And so what we're going to celebrate today as we look at Isaiah chapter 9 is we're going to look and we're going to see and read how Jesus brings light through his lordship, and through his governance over our life. His lordship and his governance over our life is what brings light into our souls and helps us to overcome the darkness around us. So let's read this passage of Scripture in Isaiah, this prophecy of Christ. Stand with me as we read from Isaiah chapter 9 and we're going to read verses 2 through verse 7. And this is Isaiah uh, writing to the nation of Israel who were in incredibly dark days. Situationally, they were in dark days, and spiritually, they were as well. And here's the prophecy that Isaiah spoke to them. He said, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. And as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder. The rod of the oppressor you have broken as in the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle, tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as for fuel for the fire. For to us... A child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's pray. Father, today we rejoice in this prophecy that has been fulfilled. Lord, it was fulfilled 2,000 years ago. God, it has been fulfilled in us as we have come to Christ Lord, I pray that we would celebrate today, that we would, that we would celebrate, Lord, what we celebrate every year during this time of year. Lord, we would celebrate Christ. Lord, thank you so much for what you have done. Speak to your people today, and we offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So that's a great prophecy, is it not? Obviously, you can see straight through it. And you can see that it is an obvious reference to Christ. It's a reference to Christ that was written 700 years before Christ came into this world. And Isaiah spoke this to the nation of Judah while they were in great darkness. Situationally and spiritually, they were experiencing a lot of darkness in their nation. Uh, uh, first, let me talk to you a little bit about their situational darkness that was going on within their nation during the time. Uh, there was a marauding army, the Assyrian army, that was sweeping all over the known world at the time. They were brutal. They were violent. They were known to treat their conquered peoples just with, with, with cruelty and just with the utmost um, uh, callousness. Um, And uh, During the time that Isaiah prophesied, they had pretty much conquered the whole land of Israel. They were knocking on the doorsteps of Jerusalem and had conquered pretty much the whole known world at the time. That was a pretty deep situational darkness that they were experiencing from an international level. But they were also experiencing some darkness of, of leadership. At the time that Isaiah prophesied and at the time that Isaiah wrote uh, uh, chapter 9, there was a king in Judah, in Jerusalem, named Ahaz. Y'all have ever read about Ahaz? If you came on Wednesday nights this past year, or maybe the year before, we were marching through the book of First and Second Kings, and we looked at this king named Ahaz. Uh, he was a pretty evil guy. He walked in the ways of pagans. He s- even sacrificed his son as a human ac- human, human sacrifice to false gods. Uh, he desecrated God's temple by setting up a pagan altar in the temple, and he destroyed. A a lot of the temple furniture uh, much of which that dated dated all the way back all the way back to Solomon and as you can imagine this situation created not just a situational darkness for them but a spiritual darkness for them Basically, the people in, in, in all of Jerusalem and Judah, they didn't have any interest for God. They didn't really want to know who the Lord was. They didn't want his guidance, his governance, his lordship over them. I think, I think our situational darkness is kind of parallel to theirs. I think that for us, we see a situational darkness and a spiritual darkness that exists in our world. All you have to do is travel uh, outside the United States. You can see it pretty heavily. Uh, we also see a situational and a spiritual darkness within our nation. Uh, don't we also have a, a crisis of, of leadership within our government? We also see this spiritual darkness, this situational darkness. We, we see it in our churches. I mean, if you look across the landscape of American Christianity, we don't really see the Gospel. We see a lot of prosperity Gospel. We see a lot of health and wealth Gospel. We see a lot of wokeism. Uh, we, don't, we don't really see the true Gospel when we look across the landscape of American Christianity. We see a lot of church buildings, but those church buildings cast a shadow of darkness and not so much the light of the Gospel. And do we not also, like the people in Isaiah's day, do we not also experience personal darkness? Do we not have some of this spiritually and situationally in our own life? Maybe you're experiencing some situational darkness or some spiritual darkness. Maybe it's, maybe it's related to where you work. Or maybe it has to do with something in your, your marriage, your relationship, your kids, parenting. Perhaps this darkness is felt um, in you because of something that uh, that is happening to you from a medical standpoint, your health. Maybe in your finances you could say, I'm just experiencing a lot of situational darkness. Maybe it's an uncertain future. I guess for all of us it could be different. But none of us are immune. None of us are immune from the situational darkness that surrounds us everywhere in this world. And the truth is, none of us are also immune from having certain periods of spiritual darkness. Those times that maybe we question God. Those times that maybe we hear things about God that we don't really understand. Or maybe those, uh, those points in our spiritual life where we just kind of seem to be in a lull. Maybe we read God's Word and, and we're just not alive to it like we used to be. Or our prayer life isn't where it, where it needs to be. All of us, can face darkness at some point in our our life, spiritually and certainly situationally. But Isaiah spoke a message of hope, and he spoke it to ancient Judah, but it was meant for us. That's, after all, what prophecy is. Prophecy is something that is spoken into a current situation that is relevant and pointed towards a future situation. Now, it might certainly have relevance in the current situation in which it is spoken, but Isaiah prophesied about a Messiah that would come and that would deliver a people, and you and I are those people. We see this in Isaiah chapter 9 when he says that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. What people is he talking about? To to what people is he referring? Well, he wasn't referring to ancient Judah. He wasn't referring to ancient Israel. He wasn't even necessarily referring to the people to whom this prophecy was directly spoken this was spoken to a people, to you and to me. You see, the people in Isaiah's day, the people of Judah, they never saw the fulfillment of this prophecy. They never saw Christ born. This, this wasn't fulfilled until 700 years later whenever jesus was born and was not fulfilled until 2700 years later whenever you and i heard the gospel and believed in jesus and got saved you see this this promise of deliverance is quite interesting Because what he says is, he talks about this people in darkness. They see a great light. And then he gives all these images of deliverance that happens for those people. He gives images of of financial prosperity that happens through a harvest. Or he gives this image of a a military victory by rods being broken and, and, and yokes being lifted. He gives uh, all these images of freedom, but these are, these are not things that happened to ancient Judah. These are, they, they, would, uh, they would never had a king that delivered them to the extent to where they wouldn't be conquered. They were eventually conquered, not by the Assyrians. They were eventually conquered by the Babylonians. Um, they, never, they never received the Messiah. They never saw him. They never met him. He, Jesus wasn't born for 700 years later. This is why these words have a spiritual meaning. They have a meaning that pointed these people to something that was yet to come and something that you and I have become the beneficiaries. It pointed to Jesus, the Messiah, and more specifically, to his governance over us. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 through 7, um, he he talks about how God was going to provide the deliverance, what God was going to do in order to make sure that the people to whom Isaiah was referring to, the way that Isaiah would give them this deliverance, and it wasn't going to be a new king, it wasn't going to be a larger army. It wasn't going to be a new governmental administration or governmental reforms within the land of Judah. God's ways are so different than man's ways. God had something bigger for his people than just deliverance from a current situational darkness. He had something bigger for them. He had something fuller for them. Because you see, if God would have delivered the nation of Judah from their current temporary situational darkness, it would have been a temporary fix and God's people would have found themselves right back in the situational darkness that they were currently in. It happened over and over and over in the, New Test- in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, we see something more magnificent we see God providing the light of the Messiah through Christ and these verses that i've read to you from Isaiah they're quoted in Luke by the ancient excuse me by the angel Gabriel as he spoke to the virgin mary we looked at these verses this past Wednesday night. Briefly, we looked at them uh, as we looked at, uh, uh, at the angel Gabriel and as he spoke to Elizabeth, as he, as he spoke to Mary. Um, we, we, we talked about these verses this past Wednesday night during our gathering. But the angel Gabriel, he quoted these verses to Mary about the child that she, that, that she was going to bear who ended up being Jesus the Messiah. And that's why these verses are prophetic. And they talk about the inauguration of a new government. Now you, now you start talking about that and people start getting excited. People start thinking about something on earth. People start thinking about something in the world. Can you, can you imagine as Isaiah spoke this prophecy about the government, a new a, a government of peace, a government that would increase? Can you imagine how excited they might have become to think about, okay, um, something different's gonna happen in our nation? We're gonna have a new government in our nation. We're gonna have reforms in our nation. We're gonna have a new leader in our nation. But it was something bigger than that. It was something fuller than that. And this inauguration of the new government that was going to be established by God, it was inaugurated whenever Jesus was born. That's why there was so much celebration around the birth of Christ. That's why you had angels appearing to shepherds and shepherds going and visiting Jesus. And you had angelic announcements and you had wise men that were traveling and offering gifts. It was an inauguration. It was a celebration of a new government and this new government would be upon His Shoulder. He would, he, Jesus now would have the obligation of, of shouldering the governance of God's people, which is something that no one in the Old Testament seemed to be able to do effectively. I mean, you just flip back through the pages of the Old Testament, you look at all the kings, and you look at all the judges, and you look at all the rulers. You even look at a lot of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and then the, the twelve sons of Israel, and, 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 and all, all, all of these folks. They were never able to govern God's people in an earthly manner that really established God's kingdom and led to, led to the spirituality of the people that, that was needed. They were never able to accomplish it. Isn't it interesting how earthly governments fail us? Don't trust in them. Can I just tell you? Don't trust in them, certainly not for your spiritual security. No one who puts, puts trust in government has ever read history. And probably has not read the Bible as well. And isn't it interesting that the most powerful institutions that can possibly be conceived on the earth seem to be the ones that have the greatest amount of darkness and brokenness and that disappoint us the most. But Jesus inaugurated a new government, but it wouldn't be an earthly government, Though it would seem that way to, early, uh, or to, uh, to, to ancient, the ancient people of Judah, whenever he said that he, this, this child this, that was going to be born that we know to be Jesus was going to sit on the throne of David, can you imagine inside of them this nationalism that must have been birthed inside of them? But it wasn't going to be an earthly government. You see, Jesus did not govern through the world systems. He never held political office. In fact, he said in John 18, he said, My kingdom is not of this world. You see, Jesus, he sits on the throne of David. But it is a throne that has been transported to heaven. He is seated at the right hand of God. He offers peace and his kingdom will have no end. And one day every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the the glory of God the Father. Lordship. He establishes lordship through his governance And it is a lordship over us that is spiritual in nature. It is a spiritual lordship. And look at the lordship that he provides for us. What kind of person do you want to govern your soul? How about a wonderful counselor? How about a mighty God? An everlasting father? A prince of peace. That's the type of person that I want to govern me. That's, type, that's the type of person that I want to oversee my soul. And these titles, they tell us something about Jesus' governance. They tell us something about Jesus' lordship. Something that you and I should know experientially. Something that, something that you and I should, it, it should just be part of our relationship with him. You know, there's something about a good counselor that, that just provides comfort and direction. Jesus' counsel is absolutely infallible. And we have, it, we have it right here in the New Testament. In my Bible, they're written in red. And I can just flip to them and I can look at them anytime. And I have the governance of Christ and his teaching, that, when, that when, when, when people heard it, they were absolutely amazed. I have, I have his counsel that can wash over me during dark days whenever I need light. You know, when I'm in dark days and I need light, a mighty God is the type of person that I need to govern my soul and to be Lord over me. You know, some people don't believe that Jesus was God. I don't know how anybody can read the New Testament and see how Jesus accepted worship and how even Jesus claimed uh, to be God. I don't know how anybody can read the New Testament and not believe that Jesus was God. Not just another prophet, but he was God incarnated among us. The very essence of what we celebrate at Christmas is that God enfleshed himself and that he became one of us. When I'm experiencing Dark days, and I need light. There's, there's something about an everlasting father. You know, earthly fathers fail us, but there's something about a heavenly father that can always be there with us. In the darkest of times, in the darkest of days, we can rest assured that God has made us family. He's made us family, that we are are his children. We have been adopted by him. And he has promised to never leave us. He has promised to never forsake us. When I'm experiencing dark days and I need light, I think about a prince of peace. There's something about darkness that just, that, that when we experience it, whether it's situationally or whether it's spiritually, there's something about darkness That just robs us of peace. But when the light of Christ shines upon us, He brings us that peace inside of us. Peace between us and God. Peace in our hearts as we find satisfaction in Him and in Him alone. And then peace with others around us. Yes, these titles. These titles of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, they help to give me light during dark days. And our submission to his governance and his lordship is how we claim the promises of light that God has given us in Scripture. Here's a simple way that I want to say it today. Light comes through lordship. Light comes through lordship. Everything about this prophecy of Scripture that we read from the Old Testament screams of Jesus' governance and of his lordship over us. Not an earthly government. I've made that abundantly clear. Not a system of this world, but something in our soul that says Jesus is in charge of me. He now is governor over my soul. He is Lord over me. And there's something about us whenever we live in submission to that that makes living in this dark world so much easier. The situational darkness in this world is not going away until one day when the events of Revelation unfold and Jesus makes a new heaven and a new earth. Between that time and this time, there is going to be situational darkness all around us. The only way that we can have light inside of us is to say, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to live as if you are my Lord. And some of the darkness that we experience in this life is just a natural result of sin. I mean, there's bad things in the world, there's bad people in the world, and bad people do bad things, and sometimes those bad decisions, they bring trouble upon us, they bring darkness upon us. It's just part of what it means to live in this world. But a lot of the darkness that we feel in this life is self-imposed. It's a self-imposed darkness as we don't submit to Jesus as Lord, as we don't look to Him as Messiah as we don't look to him as the person that governs our soul. Isaiah has something to say about that too. He says, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. Behold, all you who kindle a fire, who equip yourselves with burning torches, walk by the light of your fire, and by the torches that you have kindled, this you have from my hand, you shall lie down in torment. This Bible verse speaks, this speaks about a self-torment, that we, something that we do to ourselves. Something that rather than looking towards the light of Christ and saying, I want you to govern me, we look to ourselves and we try to create our own light. We want to make our own decisions. We want to self-govern Can I tell you that you are not competent as a human being to govern your own soul. You need a Lord over you. And his name is Jesus. And so sometimes we experience these dark days as a result of sin. Sometimes we experience dark days because they're self-imposed. But here's a hard truth. Sometimes we experience dark days because they are divinely imposed. Do you know who sent the Assyrian army to conquer ancient Israel? The Old Testament credits God with that. Do you know who sent the army, the Babylonians, to ultimately conquer Jerusalem? God said He did that. And why did he do that? It was an act of discipline upon his people. I, 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 believe, I believe there's a lesson in that, and we can see it in the New Testament where the Bible says that God disciplines those he loves. He disciplines those he loves. It could be that you're in a dark situation today just because you're in, just in this sinful world and sinful people make sinful bad choices and, and, and you're just experiencing a dark time. It could be that you're in a dark day today because of a bad decision that you've made and it's been a self-imposed darkness upon you. But it could be that the darkness that you feel in your life right now is really the love of the Lord Jesus Christ saying, I love you and I want to deliver you from this darkness. And I'm bringing some discipline upon you, some hard times upon you, so that you will turn to me, so that you will turn to Christ, who alone gives light. I I, I, I don't don't know where you are today. I don't know which one of those apply to you. You may be having a great time in life right now. You may say, I have nothing but light inside of me. Can I tell you that there's going to be a dark time, there's going to be a dark day, and only Christ can give you that light. And this is what we celebrate around Christmas. We celebrate the fact that we have a Savior, that He was born, and now we have a light, a Lord. We have a governor over our soul who can now help us through the situational darkness. He can help us through the spiritual darkness. And it doesn't matter how that darkness has come upon us, whether it's God's discipline or we've done it to ourselves or it's just because we just live in a sinful, fallen world. We have Jesus that can give us hope. We have Jesus that can give us peace. Let's bow our heads and pray. Would you talk to the Lord right now about any darkness that you may be experiencing in your life? Talk to Him right now about that. And ask him, say, Lord, has this darkness come upon me just because I live in a dark world? Has this darkness come upon me because I've made some bad decisions? Or Lord, is your discipline, your hand upon me, calling me out of this darkness? You pray about that and talk to the Lord. If you don't know Jesus as Savior, just call upon his name. Ask Him to save you. Believe in Christ. Look to Him as the only one that can save. You spend a few moments in prayer, and then we'll sing.